Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Happier at Work podcast. And what a special episode I have in store for you today. Today's episode is talking with a range of people all about a subject close to my heart, which is imposter syndrome. So I spoke to a variety of people about their own experiences of imposter syndrome, about how it shows up and what we can do about it. I hope you enjoy this episode. First up, I speak with Louise Goss from Homeworker magazine. So Louise, we're going to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. So do you want to tell me about, a little bit about your own experience with imposter syndrome? Um, well, first of all, I think that everybody gets it at some point. Um, and I personally, I've definitely had it. You know, I, you know, as a, as a journalist, I've worked in many different newsrooms and for different news organizations. So, you know, when I first started, you know, you'd see the presenters of the 10 o'clock news walking around and you'd sort of think, oh gosh, you know, um, but, you know, wouldn't it be amazing to sort of, you know, sort of look up to them and you aspire to, to be something like that? Um, and sometimes you can be given opportunities and you just suddenly go, oh, gosh, but I'm nothing like that. And, like, oh, why are they asking me? And, oh, my goodness. And, again, it, you, you, your, uh, your mind chatter just starts, starts up and you start telling yourself all these things. Um, I think that it's... It, it normally happens um, for me when I'm doing something that is a little bit scary or something that perhaps has made makes me feel a bit more uncomfortable. I'm not in my comfort zone at all, and I start thinking that I'm not good enough, or I tell myself, "Oh, I've not got enough experience, or I'm not qualified to do this." And um, yeah, it, it has definitely happened sort of throughout my career, basically, and. Um, I mean, even starting the Homeworker magazine, um, because although I'm a journalist, I hadn't run my own magazine before, so that it was it was completely new to me. So I, um, there were moments, of, you know, before particularly before I published the first issue, where I, um, yeah, I, I was <laughs> I was quite nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, because it's that fear of judgment. It's that fear of people turning around and actually telling you what you're telling yourself um, and of course that doesn't happen that doesn't it very very rarely happens you are um, we saying, are our own yeah. worst critics but we wouldn't dream um, of saying to someone else the kind of things that we say to ourselves absolutely I mean I think that's something that we need to try and get a little bit better at and sort of talk to ourselves as we would to our friends and you know if we wouldn't say that to our friend don't say it to yourself. <laughs> don't, don't say it to yourself. Absolutely. Easier said than done. But um, I, yeah, I think, and I, I think coming back to the fact that you know when you work from home, I think imposter syndrome it can affect anybody, and I think we all sort of suffer from it or, or, or get it at some point. Um, but I think when you are on your own, because you haven't got anyone else around you to just give you that perspective um or to bounce ideas off or to chat through things um you really are just listening to yourself and you know we can be our own worst 
critic and you know the voices in our heads aren't always the kindest ones so I think it's um it's very hard to yeah to really get out of that space when you are completely on your own and of course social media which we have touched on doesn't always help because we can be prone to sort of looking there and especially if we are you know distracted by it and we go down the rabbit hole and we're looking on social media and we're seeing how amazing everybody else's life and everybody else seems to be doing and um I think that really can kind of exacerbate the problem because then we sort of are telling ourselves even more stories that we aren't good enough and that we shouldn't be where we are and um it's it's a very common thing and I, I know that they say women tend to suffer from it more than um, than men and I also think people who are on their own and perhaps working for themselves um, may have a tendency to to suffer from it more again I don't know I mean it, uh, but yeah it's a, it's something very common I've certainly um, experienced it myself over the years yeah and what what kind of things do you put in place so you you, you mentioned there about it's really the chatter that we hear in our head and it's about being kinder to yourself do you have any other tips that you can use or that you've learned about overcoming it or like kind of getting out of that headspace temporarily you know even well I think when self-doubt comes into play um I, I do some of the things um that we talked about when we talked about motivation and just sort of reminding ourselves about why we're doing it and who we're benefiting and, and who's actually really enjoying and, and gaining from what we do. That's, that can be really helpful. Um, the other thing, and it's, it sounds a little bit morbid, but it helps me take action when I'm having these moments of, of self-doubt. And that is to remind myself that you know, we are mortal <laughs> and, you know, we need to make the most of every single day. And, you know, if you, if we went tomorrow, you know, what would we have done today that really means that we have, you know, done the most that we could do. And, um, and I, so I just think sometimes reminding ourselves that we're not going to be around forever is quite a powerful way of motivating ourselves to do something and it, it can shift that sort of like oh I'm not good enough and I'm going to hold myself back and I'm going to delay doing this to oh my goodness why why am I not just doing this because you know I don't know what's what's around the corner and I just need to to live for today basically and make sure that I make the most of right now yeah no it is I mean like you say a little bit more of it but, yeah. <laughs> but powerful at the same time, you know, absolutely as, as, powerful. As, yeah. And I say, it's not, it's not something that I think about all the time. I'm not constantly, <laughs> that's not playing around my head, but it, it's something that I know if I just remind myself of it, just, you know, every now and again, if I, that thought comes into play, um, it's a little trigger and it just helps me sort of go, right, come on, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What have I got to, to kind of show? No. If if today is my last day, what have I got to show for it? Yeah, it, it's just sort of a little bit like you know, no no regrets and all the rest of it. But I I think you know otherwise we would just go day after day after day making excuses for ourselves and um you know and they are and they are excuses and you know somebody might turn around and say no or they might say mm, yeah we're not we don't like it or no thank you um 
then you haven't lost anything because you you know you're actually I mean you are you're still where you were and you you've learned from that take that no and go okay what can I learn from it or how can I improve or I'll go somewhere else and we're clearly not you know the right fit or whatever so you know I think reminding ourselves of that as well because I think we sort of go down this path of oh you know this could happen or this could happen well what is the worst that could happen and actually when you look at what the worst that could happen and what that actually is uh generally we sort of realize that you know it's not it's not the end of the world and actually we can turn those into positives or opportunities next up i speak with adrian whelan from brown brothers harriman so adrian would you like to share your own experience of imposter syndrome yeah um Imposter syndrome is an interesting one. It is the word, I didn't know what it was, but it's, it's the word that I inflicted on myself. I felt I was an imposter. Both growing up in Finglas and going to Belvedere College, in Belvedere College coming from Finglas, I felt I shouldn't be there. Yeah. That carried on then, and it's only the story I told myself into my work environment that I felt I didn't belong here because X, Y, Z, and a list of questions and, mm. and, 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 and problems. These were all made up in my own head. Yeah. The other thing is, I still, at times, it comes back and bites you, right? But you have to identify, are these negative, is the negative demon on my shoulder that's telling me these negative things, is that the truth? Or am I in this situation, this job, this role, this company, because I am good enough? Yeah. If you take the emotion away, your company gives you a role or a job or puts you up on a stage to speak because they feel you're good enough. That's nothing to do with what you think. Yeah, yeah. And we do build our own prisons at times. We do tell ourselves, because we want to do well, we reflect on the negative. We tell ourselves we don't belong, we're not good enough. The science, and if you could actually come away from your own emotional attachment to particularly your career, all the other evidence dictates that you're actually very good, you should be there, you've been asked to be there, people want you there. So imposter syndrome is absolute nonsense in most cases, or in all cases. The other thing about imposter syndrome, when you look at the academia, or if you just Google it, not a female problem Mm. it's not a younger or more junior problem yeah it permeates everybody yeah i tell this story because imposter syndrome is and being honest about imposter syndrome is to show a little bit of vulnerability yeah most senior leaders that i engage with are open about this they all have life problems life issues Everyone has it. That is to be human. Yeah. I now am a public speaker for a living. For many years, I was crippled with anxiety. Mm. That's not a great thing to have as a public representative sitting up on stages with spotlights and a a crowd of people waiting on what's he going to say. Just so people know, people who know me know that I do, I, I don't really get nervous anymore. I get more excited about doing speaking events but there were times five minutes before you know on air I'd lock myself in a toilet cubicle because I'd be going through a, 
a panic attack. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. But that's not, that's a different thing to imposter syndrome. A panic attack is something that, 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 that happens, right? Thank God they, they seem to have passed and I don't get them anymore. But if you're going to do that to yourself, invent a negative storyline mm. because of imposter syndrome that you don't deserve, you do deserve. Yeah. Very hard to actually catch it or to fix it. But you have to do that now, not when you're going to the big meeting or the big event. Do that now. Exactly. You do deserve it. Yeah. yeah. And you're being asked to the big meeting or the big event because they feel you can do it and they want to get the benefit of you being there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a couple of things there that it's it's thinking about other people, not not making it all about you and what value you can add to other people um, and getting out of your own way. And it's all, it, it all is just in your head. Something but share, share those negatives with yeah, someone. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in work. Yeah. It can be a partner, it can be a sister, it can be some, somebody you trust. Yeah. They will then give their take. Yeah. And 90 odd for random stats will tell, <laughs> will have a counterpoint that's different to your own internal monologue. Yeah, yeah. And now let's hear from Andrea Mara, who is an Irish crime fiction writer. So this is Andrea Mara. And I'm currently a writer of crime fiction, but once upon a time, until five years ago, I worked in financial services. And imposter syndrome has followed me through from financial services to the writing world, which is a bit annoying, but not completely surprising, I suppose. When I worked in financial services, I didn't know what imposter syndrome was at first. I just knew that I always had this feeling that sooner or later someone was going to turn around and say, ah, we, we made a mistake. You're not really the person we thought you were. We don't think you're the right person for the job. We might need to demote you again and put someone else in your place. Now, obviously, things like that don't even really happen in real life. And it was you know, there was a big part of me that knew it wasn't true, but it was just always there, this sense of like, oh God, they're going to find me out. They're going to realize I don't know what I'm doing, even though, I mean, the proof was in the pudding. I was doing my job and I think it was going well. I was doing a good job. My boss was saying all the right things to me, but even still this voice would creep in. So then I was on a work trip to Luxembourg and we had to do this big presentation. We were all kind of nervous about it and it went really well. And my boss said nice things and was really pleased with it. So I was on a bit of a high and then I was in the airport on the way home and immediately, as soon as I kind of sat down and decompressed after the presentation, it all kicked in again. The little voice going, ah, but you know, maybe he only said you did well because look, what else is he going to say? I mean, he doesn't want to completely demotivate you. So it was all creeping in and I got a cup of coffee and a magazine and I sat down to read it and there was this article on something called imposter syndrome so I was fascinated by it because it was exactly the kind of thing that I was dealing with so it was all about the hand on the shoulder feeling like a fraud feeling like you'd been promoted beyond your ability and that you were kind of floundering but nobody had noticed so I think in a way that's the weird thing about imposter syndrome not only are you worrying that you're floundering but it's nearly worse that nobody has noticed because you feel like you're hiding something um so I was 
fascinated reading all about it and realised, yeah, I have imposter syndrome. And having said all that, by the time I got to the end of the article, I decided that although imposter syndrome was a real thing and the person writing the article had it and lots of other people did, in my case, I probably really was floundering and was going to get caught out as a fraud. So, um, obviously difficult to come back from that kind of dearth of self-confidence. But in reality, I sort of always knew it was imposter syndrome and it never became debilitating. And having written about it since, I've written a few articles for magazines and newspapers about imposter syndrome and I've written about it on Office Mom as well on my blog. Um, I... I understand now that as long as it's not debilitating, there are little things you can do and you don't necessarily need to go and seek professional help or anything. I think if it was really interfering with how you do your job, if it was preventing you going for promotions or causing so much stress that you were struggling to get through your workday, then I would say you you could do with going to see somebody about it there'd be absolutely nothing to lose by going to a career coach or some kind of therapist who can help you go through what's going on um but for me it was just there as a little voice on the shoulder but not interfering with my job so I took on board things that I read about it when I read up on it and the first thing was to name it to know what it is so I had done that by reading the magazine article I knew that it was this like syndrome and not a real thing so that was a really really good start and then I took other little notes like one of my colleagues from my old job she talked about this hey am I great folder so it can be a physical folder or an email folder whatever works where you put in any praise that you get or any confirmation that you're doing a good job so it could be your year-end review or it could be something just an email from someone saying thanks you did a great job we really appreciate it because I think we tend to forget about those great responses we get when we do a good job and we focus in too much maybe on the times we feel ourselves that we didn't meet a deadline or we're struggling to get something done so those two things were a really really big help to me and just generally reading about imposter syndrome because the more you read about it the more you know that it's a real thing that other people are experiencing as well that you're not the only person sitting there going I'm terrible at my job and talking about it is amazing and I certainly found blogging about it I got such a response with people coming back going oh my god I have that too I have that feeling I just never knew it was called imposter syndrome and you do come across people, just to mention this too, who have no idea what you're talking about and have never had imposter syndrome in their lives and think that it sounds a bit makey-uppy. And that's okay too, because if they've never had it, that's brilliant. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, so here I am, five years later, no longer in financial services. Now I write crime fiction for a living, which is about as far removed as from financial services as you can get. And yes, definitely have imposter syndrome. My new book, The Sleeper Lies, is out this week. And I am completely petrified because I I genuinely am thinking, oh my God, what if it hits the shops and everybody goes, oh God, how did they publish this? And even though it's my third book and I think personally it's better, I think every writer tries to improve as they go along and I do think this is better. I am still absolutely 
petrified that I've got it completely wrong and all my editors and my publisher have got it completely wrong and that um, I'm in deep trouble. But hopefully that's just imposter syndrome. Next, I speak with Peter Hill, who I worked with when I lived in Sydney. Uh, yep. So uh, my name's Peter. Um, I have been um, working in the uh, fast-moving consumer goods industry for probably the last uh, 15 years of my life um, in Sydney. So with a with a range of different businesses. Brilliant. So do you want to talk me through your own personal experience of imposter syndrome? I, I had to hit the ground running and it was a very quick learning experience for me. Um, consumer goods businesses are quite, um, particularly back then, they were quite um, blokey businesses, quite, uh, uh, you, you need to be quite assertive and you needed to um, display a certain um, certain attributes, I suppose, that really made you um, stand out um, over and above everyone else. And there was kind of that belief that that was how um, one kind of progressed um, uh, within the chosen field. Um, and as a kind of, a, I suppose, as a self-proclaimed introvert, <laughs> that was quite confronting for me at the time. And um, I suppose... I, I always felt a little bit like um, that I just didn't quite fit in, even though my managed my manager at the time kept, you know, saying I was ticking all the boxes and, you know, and I and I was um, taking part in projects and I was I was doing they were saying I was doing a pretty good job. I always felt like I wasn't doing enough um, and I wasn't visible enough within that business. So it kind of um, really started off as um, the drive to be perfect at what I did and 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 the little piece that I owned within that business, I, I made sure that I did everything at 100% and, and if not more um, to make sure that, that, you know, because I didn't have that that assertiveness that some of the, the more mature, the older people within the business had, um, that I, yeah, so I, I suppose it was just really um, putting in 110% and making sure that I, 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 from an analytical perspective, that, you know, I was delivering and over-delivering every time. And that that was my way of dealing with my kind of um, in feeling of being an imposter within this, this really assertive, dominant organisation. It's kind of evolved um, throughout my career. So I suppose early on it was really that um, idea of um, perfecting what I the attributes that I kind of owned um, in terms of my role. Um, but as I, I progressed further and started to get into project work, um, particularly my time at IRI, um, at Aztec IRI, um, with um, a whole lot of other very knowledgeable kind of data experts, um, it, it was it was really about kind of, I suppose it progressed more into to making sure that I worked harder than everyone else and that I was, um, you know, covering all the bases. I saw all these people that were just so good um, at what they did. They were really great at um, telling stories and contextualising the, the market landscape and providing value to the clients that they worked with, um, that it was really just about working harder and, and making sure um, that when that that 
I, I could kind of kick it with, uh, with them and actually um, keep pace with them. Um, so it kind of evolved in a way from um, kind of this perfect, perfectionist attitude to really trying to learn and be good at everything. So it kind of went away from being a perfectionist and more towards trying to be that superhero that tries to cover all aspects <laughs> of their role. Yeah. Um, um, it was really one of those things where I was stepping into this um, this area that I wasn't comfortable with. My 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 strengths always been in data analytics, and and so when they kind of threw me into these management roles and said, "Oh, you know, you, you actually it's an opportunity to grow and develop, and and you might not have the attributes and skills to be good at this role now, but um, you will develop them." by doing, you know, um, at first I really kind of didn't want to do it. I fought against it because I, because it meant it would be something that I would fail at. Um, but, but then I learned over time, I suppose, particularly in managing and mentoring others that it's actually through failure and, and through not always getting things right that you evolve and grow. Um, and that's been a really big learning um, learning point for me, I think, is that, you know, it, it, it isn't about perfecting everything um, the first time. The only way that we can progress and evolve is through making this. Um, and it's definitely, I suppose, particularly uh, moving into management roles and, and learning those values um, ha has been really key for me to kind of help address um, the elements of imposter syndrome that I still that I that still occur every day <laughs> in my life, but also help others. You know, you can be the most extroverted, intelligent, and respected, highly respected person, and you can still have bad days and days where you just feel like you're not contributing um, to the same level. Um, that others around you are contributing, or 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 even you you might be some somebody who you know people look up to, and, but you just you just woke up on the wrong side of bed, and you just you don't want to be that person that you know is that visionary engaging person today, and and you walk into that meeting and you and you do feel a little bit like an imposter. Um, in, in spite of all the attributes and personality traits that people see in you, I yeah. think that um, I think that everybody um, comes across imposter syndrome at some point in their life. It, 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 it touches everybody. Just with that learning from failure, it's also flipping that on its head and making sure that you take time to celebrate achievements. Um, no matter how small they might seem. And I think um, my time as a manager has really taught me, um, particularly uh, managing people in the analytical realm, um, is we just tend to do. We just tend to keep doing um, and not take the time out to actually stop and look back at what we've done and what we've achieved. Um, and I suppose as a manager, I've really, particularly as part of, you know, your mid-year reviews, end-of-year reviews, I'm a big um, champion of those things, but not not specifically, you know, in terms of, oh, did you hit your KPI or did you not hit your KPI? It's more going, okay, take this time out. The business has given you time out to really 
um, look back at, at the year that was. Um, and, and, and I always have said to the people in my team, you know, write down absolutely everything that you've achieved during the year um, and you'll actually be quite surprised with, you know, the amount of work that you've done. And I suppose one of the other areas that kind of um, links into that is really kind of own your personal journey, like own your story. It's really important that we kind of understand our unique strengths and our unique attributes and, and that we feel confident and comfortable that these are the, you know, the attributes and the elements that will actually help us um, not only progress in our own career, but provide um, support to those starting out their careers that you, you don't have to just um, follow one path, that you can create your own story and, and be unique. In totality, I think it's also just about having open discussions and, and talking to people about how you're feeling. Um, I think that the worst thing that you can do is, is bottle up emotions around feeling like an imposter. Everyone is on the spectrum and everybody has bad days and everybody understands and, um, and empathises. <laughs> um, and, and I think by sharing, you know, how you're feeling, um, it, it's a way of letting go and, um, you know, and learning and growing and, and, and understanding that other people feel the same way and, and, and you know, and that it's okay. And my last guest is Karina Duffy. Hi, my name is Karina Duffy and I am founder of Karina Duffy Fitness. I have a private personal training studio in South Dublin, Ireland, and I also have an online presence where I help women all over the world achieve their weight and fat loss goals. So I'll give you a bit of a background story to myself. I wasn't always in the beauty and health and wellness industry. I would have started off in the hospitality industry with my ex-husband. We ran various restaurants and pubs. I found that the hours were quite vigorous with young kids in the hospitality industry. So I really wanted to chase my passion, which is wellness, health and fitness. So I went back to college and I got trained in beauty and I got trained in the fitness and wellness industry. I worked in various health clubs, spas, athesics clinics, and it brought me to where I am today, running my own private personal training studio. So where does imposter syndrome come in to this with me? Because I've worked in various top health clubs um, in Ireland and in Dublin and Galway, and the same with spas, I felt that because I wanted to divide my time out and be present at home more with my kids while they're still young, I decided to set up a private training studio in my house. So imposter syndrome comes in, it slips in every now and then with me where I think I don't have a massive bricks and mortar premises with a massive sign outside the door. Now, I know that that's ego clicking in as well, but the tools that I use then to take me back from that negative imposter syndrome thinking is that I'm a fraud. I don't have a bigger premises. What am I doing? The people coming into my house, but the toolbox I have that I get into when I, that imposter syndrome kicks in is the clients that I have since I moved up to Dublin six years ago when I worked in various health clubs. I still have them clients. They come to me now in my private studio at my house. The results my clients are getting, the comfortable, they feel comfortable 
in my private studio. The reviews I'm getting, they're all the tools in my toolbox that I revert back to when imposter syndrome kicks in to think, oh, because I'm doing it from home, it's not in a massive health club, it doesn't look professional. These, this is all, and am I a fraud with my clients? Do you know, so this clicks in every now and again with me where I go into the tools in my toolbox that I have created. They're my go-to tools that I go, I go back to my why. I'm doing the best for my clients. My why is I want to be more present at home. So this suits me right now for where I want to be. And I'm on the right road. And I just look at my Facebook reviews and my clients results. And that brings me back then to kicking that imposter syndrome out of my mind. It doesn't come in that often now anymore because I'm quite established where I am. But every now and again, it can slip in and I just revert back to the tools in my toolbox to kick me out of that little negative thinking and pop me back into my why and the present of why I'm doing it. Um, so that's how imposter syndrome can kick in with me within my job, because it can be quite difficult to an, operate a business from home. And they're the tools that I use to get myself out of that little negative space when the imposter syndrome comes back in to say you're not good enough. You, what do you know? Are you like you're not good enough at your job? Um, so then they're the tools that I use. So thanks Eva for asking me to come on and just share my little story of how imposter syndrome clicks in with me. Um, I hope it helps people. That's my tip would be just to have a little toolbox for yourself that you can go into to provide you with that evidence that you are not a fraud at your job and you do know you have the knowledge and you have the tools and you can just get back out of that negative space quite quickly then and get into a positive space. So thanks guys. I wanted to also share from my own personal journey uh, throughout my career and when imposter syndrome shows up now, I didn't even know what it was until a few years ago. Uh, I was promoted to quite a senior level in work and a friend of mine pointed out that maybe I was suffering from imposter syndrome because I kind of thought, well, how did I get here and how do they believe in me and how did I get so far? And you kind of had the feeling, or at least I had the feeling that, and uh, this came up in conversation the other day as well, that you kind of, when you're younger, you, you look up to adults and you think, oh, they have all their shit together and you know they have they know what's going on and it's similar then in a work situation when you look up to people and you admire them um and as you progress through your own career it emerges then that actually everyone is just winging it you know there's some people who don't really know what's going on or you know that's these are the, these are the ways that imposter syndrome can show up that you you feel that everyone else knows much more than you do when in fact they don't. And that's something that really, really resonated with me the other day. So um, setting up my own business then, you know, thinking, and it comes down to comparison again. So you're thinking that there's all these other people out there doing exactly the same and they know everything that they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They have so many clients and, you know, it, it, it just continues to show up and it's great to know that so many different people experience it. And you heard a lot of people say today that most people actually experience it at some stage or another, at least in their own experience. So I also wanted to wrap up with what we have shared uh, today. And you'll have to forgive me. I have um, just kind of 
overcoming a sinus infection. Um, so my voice maybe isn't sounding exactly the same. Um, but just in terms of how imposter syndrome shows up. So it shows up with things like perfectionism. So wanting everything to be perfect all the time because if it's not perfect, then you feel like you're not good enough or you're an imposter. Another way it can show up is by overcompensating. So doing more work than than is necessary or staying late hours, staying long hours because you feel like you need to overcompensate in some way because you don't know everything you need to know or you, you, your perception is that you don't know everything that you need to know in order to get the job done. Something else that Peter had mentioned was around trying to be a superhero. So for him, it evolved into this, you know, from starting his career, he wanted everything to be perfect. And it sort of evolved into this other scenario where he wanted to be good at everything. So he he felt that in order to not be an imposter, he had to be absolutely, you know, brilliant at, at every single little thing. Because as your career progresses, you meet different people who have different strengths and you're you're able to then or at least you feel like you should be good at at everything another way is fear so a fear of failure a fear of judgment or what other people are going to think it often shows up when we're out of our comfort zone so when you're promoted or when you try a new project or when you do something new and the kind of things that we tell ourselves uh, would be things like, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough experience. I don't belong here. And most of the time we are our own worst critic. Louise pointed out as well that for those who work at home, so whether you are a remote worker or whether you have your own business and you work at home, basically, if you're in any way isolated, that might have an, a negative impact on your own perception because you're not getting that positive feedback and positive reinforcement from other people. The other thing that we covered is that it really happens at all levels. And actually, oftentimes it happens more as you progress throughout your career because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. It happens across genders. And it comes out as trying to do everything right. So, you know, it's this going back to this idea of perfectionism and you could be doing everything right and you're getting great feedback. Your boss is saying all the right things. But despite all of this evidence, you still feel like something is missing and you feel like you're going to be found out. Andrea touched on an interesting idea there. So even when you know about imposter syndrome, yet yeah, other people have it, but I'm actually really an imposter. And it's recognizing it for what it is and putting a name on it. There's also this, we tend to have this negative bias. So watch out for that. So we tend to focus more on the things that we didn't do or the things that we can't do rather than focusing on what it is that we have actually done. It can happen to people who are perceived as extroverted and insanely talented. You know, if someone is also naturally talented at some at something and they can't necessarily do 
some if they learn something new and they can't do it straight away then feelings of imposterism kind of creep in then it often happens as well when we compare ourselves to others so in peter's case when he saw that other people were really really strong at being a manager or at doing data analytics then it really sort of crept in for him in that scenario so what are the kind of things that we can do so in order to overcome it, we can learn from our mistakes and understand that a failure, to use that word, because I don't really like using that word, is something that we can learn from. And it's in the learning is how we grow and develop. Louise had the tip of making the most of the day. Uh, she did mention it was a bit morbid to, to uh, think of things like that. But it's, it's thinking, I suppose, about it of what's the worst that could happen and the other thing that sprang to mind is don't die with your music inside you so if today is your last day yeah we're getting morbid again here now um if today is your last day then you know what would you be proud of to have done today adrian then said do the work now so it's not about waiting until you're in that situation where you feel like an imposter it's it's putting in place all of the the uh, tips and tricks now to make sure that you don't feel that way when it comes to the important times. So when you get promoted or when you're going for a big presentation uh, or something like that. The other thing is it's not about you. So it's thinking about who are the people you serve. So whether you're employed and you're being paid to serve clients or to serve people internally in the business, it's thinking about them and what, what are you doing in order to serve them? Most of the people said that it's really important to talk to someone about it because they'll often have a different perspective than you do. So you can't really see the wood for the trees if you're feeling like an imposter. You think, no, I am really an imposter. But if you just speak to someone else about it, what you'll find is that they have a different take on things altogether. Putting together a folder of praise of successes of achievements that you've had in your life from feedback from clients from nice emails that you've got from friends having that kind of thing in place that you can refer back to whether it's a physical folder a folder on your computer or your phone that you can refer back to really reinforces all of the great things that you're good at owning your own story knowing your strengths and taking responsibility for those strengths is another way to overcome imposter syndrome. There's a summary of everything I've spoken about with those wonderful guests and thank you so much for to all of them for their time. I wanted to wrap up by talking about the ABC approach that I use. So it's really quite simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it is quite simple. So A stands for acknowledge. Acknowledge imposter syndrome for what it is, which is a voice in your head that's saying you're not good enough or it's telling you these negative things about yourself because it's trying to protect you in some way. So first of all, A, acknowledge. Acknowledge it for what it is. Name it if you want. Give it a name. B then is for believe. Believe in yourself. And if you need help believing in yourself, refer back to that folder that I spoke about earlier. So whether that's on your phone, whether that's on your laptop or a physical folder that you have, but something that you can refer to that reinforces all of the great things 
that you've done and all of the things that you're really, really good at. If you need help, ask for, you know, ask for it, ask someone else. And then C is call to action. So oftentimes when we have imposter syndrome, we're holding ourselves back in some way. We might be not voicing our opinion in meetings or holding ourselves back, not putting ourselves forward for promotion, not sharing all of our wonderful ideas with our boss because we think we don't know enough, we don't deserve it. Just take that first small step. What is the small step that you can take in order to turn this around for you? So that's it, the ABC, acknowledge, believe and call to action. They're the three steps that you need to take. If you want to have any more information about imposter syndrome, absolutely feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you about it. You can get me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, Twitter, empowerment underscore IE. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, empowermentcoaching.ie. And I look forward to hearing from you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.